Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Jacqueline Strum to the Italian Wine Podcast. Jacqueline, or Jackie, was named the president and publisher of Wine Enthusiast Media in 2021. She leads all media teams at the company, including editorial, advertising, public relations, events, and the tasting department. Raised in the wine and spirits industry, Jackie has worked professionally in the space for nearly 20 years. Previously, Jackie held PR and digital media roles for global brands at Hunter Public Relations, Mission Media, and Urban Daddy. She's also the founder of Thirsty Nest. Jackie graduated from George Washington University and completed an advanced degree with distinction with the WSEP. Welcome to the show, Jackie. It's so great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Juliana. I'm so excited to be with you. And this is, I think, the third time in a month. I'm so lucky. I was just going to say, we've been seeing a lot of each other. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So Jackie, today we're going to talk all about the evolving nature of wine media. We've got a lot to cover, but before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about your journey at Wine Enthusiast and your role today as president and publisher. Sure. Thanks so much, Juliana. So obviously just my bio, but a little bit more about the background of the business. Uh, Wine Enthusiast was founded in the late 70s by my parents, the commerce side, uh, the catalog because my dad noticed that there was a lot of people who were interested in wine, but they didn't have access to it because they didn't really have the tools to enjoy it. And so my mom and my dad out of their attic in Westchester, New York, in the late 70s, created a little catalog that grew to the business it is today. And in the late 80s, created the media division. So the DNA of the business is really all around accessibility and making sure that people have access to wine and understand wine and never really feel embarrassed. And that brand ethos is something that's really strong with us today. And it's actually a really interesting moment to chat because we just officially combined the media side and the commerce division into one and unified the businesses. But I'll get into that a little bit later. What you might know us best for on the media division is our tasting department. We rate and review 25,000 wines a year blind, but we also cover food trends, wine news. And so I work alongside my sister, manages the commerce division I mentioned, the original business, or I like to say the mothership. And I uh, handle the publishing and editorial division, the media company. So that's all the editors, journalists, tasting, advertising, PR, events, etc. Um, and so we work kind of uh, in tandem together to take on the next generation of the business. Amazing. So much going on and we're excited to dive in and learn a little bit more about that unification of the two businesses because I think that's so critical to our conversation for today's masterclass about the evolution of wine media. 
So for today's episode, our three key takeaways with Jackie are going to be, number one, what is the wine consumer looking for today in wine media? Number two, what kind of content is performing best on wine enthusiasts? And then finally, number three, what is the future? I mean, there's a lot changing now, but we know there's more changes to come. So always good to look forward also. So Jackie, just to get started, talk to us a little bit about the recent changes at Wine Enthusiasts and that unification of the commerce and content side and what that means for the business. Sure. So it's been a really interesting couple of years at Wine Enthusiast. We had a lot of change kind of coming off the heels of COVID. Both businesses had a tremendous amount of success during the pandemic, whether that's, you know, I'm not saying that's the pandemic was a good thing, but for many of us, especially in the wine industry, we noticed a lot of trend shifts. And for us, that meant a big growth in our business. And so with that growth, we kind of decided to talk about our strategy for the next five years. Something that we noticed was that in our strategy work, a lot of people only knew us for one or the other, the catalog or the magazine. And we realized these are the same person. So we should kind of bring these people together into the same ecosystem. And that's what we've been working on for over a year. I really have to give the credit to my sister, Erica, who's been spearheading this project. And we relaunched the company's website under one name, wineenthusiast.com, to bring content and commerce together into one. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, you're talking to the same consumer, but one consumer is looking towards you for commerce and purchasing wine accessories, and then the other for content and looking towards wine enthusiasts for reviews and scores and articles. And you've got a great podcast as well with wine enthusiasts. So it makes so much sense in the world to, to bring those two together. So how is it going so far? Yeah, well, so far, I'm really thrilled, although I'm crossing both my fingers and toes today, that the website launched with quite a bit of success. We figured combining them would you know, double the traffic, but it has done more than that so far. So we're very thrilled. And the fact that the site's live and functioning, anyone who's done a tech launch knows that that is a very precarious move. I'm frankly, personally over the moon about it. Um, but I, I do want to mention that I, while it's exciting for us, it is a big trend in media overall. And um, we've been doing content and commerce since before it was cool, if you will. And now everyone's doing it. So we just figured if this is the new normal for the way people interact with media and their retail shops today, let's do it ourselves. It clearly makes sense for us. And then on the other end, on our internal team, we made a lot of changes that I think are probably really relevant to your listeners for Italy. And we brought on two reviewers, used to only have one historically, to taste Italy in uh, Jeff Porter and Danielle Caligari because... Italy is such an important market to us, and we felt we weren't serving it enough in having only one main reviewer. And now we're tasting more Italian wine than ever, and we have our Italy issue coming out on July 17th, or August-September issue. So we're very excited about the progress we've made with that region. Yeah, we love to hear it. We love Jeff, and we love getting to know Danielle. So that's great to see that wine enthusiasts investing in Italy. And you were at Vin Italy this year. Was that your first time? It was not my first time, but I loved it just as much as I did the year before. And just like anything, once you're a little more familiar, you can start to see little pockets of industry that you didn't get to discover the year before, pockets of Verona I hadn't seen. It is such a pleasure, that trade show. And I learned so much every year. It's just an endless sea of wine to learn about in Italy. Kind of, It's kind of humbling. It really is. Humbling is a great word for it. There's, It's pretty endless as well. So tell us a little bit more. I like to get down to some of the basics in the podcast so that our listeners really like truly understand the concept. So content and commerce, just talk to us about what that means, the trends you're seeing in media generally, but also more specifically what that means for wine enthusiasts. 
Sure. So overall in media, media means something very different now than it did maybe 10, maybe even five years ago, where we're kind of reacting to how people consume information. It's just constantly evolving. For us, we're really trying to be where the consumer is. And that now is not just in a printed publication that arrives at your doorstep, although we do still invest in that and have that medium. It's online, it's social media, it's audio, it's video. And because of that, and all those things kind of apply to both businesses, we're making that content for both. We're just trying to make one total brand experience so that people know they can trust us for purchases and for ratings all in the same kind of universe. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. Mm-hmm. So they're not having to go to different avenues for their purchase and then their content. It's all combined in one. Yeah. And as long as we can maintain our ethical standard across our journalistic capabilities, which I feel that we have. And same goes for our blind tasting. I think it's just a new way to interact with our consumers to have both. And really, if you are somebody who's into wine, you're going to know that the people who are tasting 25,000 wines a year probably know a thing or two about wine glasses, and they probably know a thing or two about how to store that wine. And we even sometimes test some of our new products with our tasters when they're in the office once in a while. We certainly open a lot of wine in the office, so we can test every corkscrew that comes through. So it really is kind of a, a symbiotic relationship between the two. And yeah, we feel like if we're working with consumers to make sure that it's a trusted brand, then they'll come back to us more and more. One of my favorite new mediums actually is SMS or texting, because we have this really unique position in media where a lot of media companies are tacking on commerce like the New York Times has wire cutter, Vox has a more affiliate method of getting information. But we've always had a commerce business. It's actually the original business. So because of that, our media business benefits from the data, I'd like to say the most rich database in the wine industry of people who are purchasing from us. We know their names, their location, their purchasing preferences, uh, often their cell phone numbers. And that means that they're comfortable getting close to us in so many ways. So texting is one of my favorite ways that we've been interacting with customers more. They have to opt in, of course. Nobody wants a text from someone they didn't ask to text them. <laughs> so we're texting them sales and programs, and we're also texting them new articles or a top 100 list or new ratings that are released. And that's kind of a really intimate relationship that we're really thrilled our consumers are open to having with us. Um, it just speaks to the strength of the brand. Very cool. And I imagine the text communication is also one way in which you're reaching a, a new consumer, a younger consumer, since we do everything on our phones, right? So talk to us a little bit more about how Wine Enthusiasts is reaching newer consumers. We know that that's an ongoing conversation for the wine industry at large. How do we get the younger consumers drinking? How do we get you know, millennials and not and Gen Z? How do we get them involved in wine and interested in wine? So what are some ways in which you're tackling that challenge? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a battle everyone in the wine industry is trying to fight, right? It's how do we make sure we're getting people interested in wine from a young age and continue to stay interested. And that's something that's really ingrained in our brand since accessibility is how we built this business. And I think that's what people want to see younger generations. They don't want to be talked down to. They don't want to be condescended to. They want you to answer their questions honestly and openly without making them feel embarrassed. One of the things that's really helpful is thinking about what people Google and just writing articles around that. So if you think about 
how you Google, it's almost like a secret diary, right? Like you're Googling the questions you're embarrassed to ask somebody. All right. That's a good way to think about it. Mm hmm. Yeah. So like if you were to look at people's Google history, it'd probably be things that you're like, they don't know where Mississippi is, like things that you, you think that they should know. And one thing that we noticed was getting searched for often is how to hold a wine glass. And that is a search term that we can obviously perfectly answer. And it has been one of our most successful articles to date this year, because it's just why shouldn't we just open the door wider and make sure that we're answering every question? And why should we make people feel bad for having to ask that question? So. If they're asking the question, they're clearly interested. Let's make sure that they're comfortable asking it and that they're getting the information from an authentic expert, which we feel that we are representing. So those are the kinds of things we're using to bring customers in on digital. And then we're also looking at new social platforms. TikTok, we've been investing in a lot in the last two years. We officially reached 5,000 this year followers, thanks, which we feel pretty proud of. And I know it's a new medium for a lot of people. And historically, it wasn't majority over 21. So it's been a little precarious for some brands to invest in. But for us, because we don't sell wine, we were there kind of early and often. And I think it took us about a year to go from zero to 5,000. And that's just a ton of video work and following the style of algorithm and trying to follow trends. And in addition, I think audio is a really big initiative for us. Uh, we've already had our podcast, as you mentioned, Juliana, for many years, our kind of classic style about stories and trends in the wine industry. But our new VP of content, Dara Kapoor, who's actually a media expert, not exactly a wine expert, which we love about her because she said, let's open the door wider again and do a podcast all about wine, but from a cultural perspective. And we created this podcast called Vinfamous, all about wine crimes and scandals in the wine industry. And it has just been a runaway success in terms of listens and downloads because it doesn't always have to be an inside baseball, if you will, conversation. It can be opened up wider to pop culture, history. Those are the things that the new consumers want to learn about. It makes them feel welcome. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I love what you said earlier, too, about the how-to content and bringing in more content that teaches the consumer how to enjoy wine. I think that's such perfect content for TikTok as well, right? There's so many demonstrative videos. I mean, I know myself, I look at TikTok for recipes or how, you know, I've gotten great cleaning tips on TikTok. So I love the how-to content as a way to bring people into the category. And like you said, not make them feel intimidated about how to enjoy wine, but make it easier for them to get into the world of wine. So I, I love that. And I think that's a good takeaway for our listeners too, is in, when thinking about how to communicate around your wines, like not just about the wine itself, but really thinking about how does it fit into the lifestyle of the end consumer? How do they enjoy it? What do they drink it with? You know, and it, but even down to the basics, like how do they open it and what kind of glass do they use? So I love that. So the content is moving in that direction. That's exciting. And I do have to mention, pat ourselves on the back that we actually won a brand experience award recently, the 2023 brand experience award to celebrate um, our retail business, redefining the rules of uh, interaction, engagement, and loyalty because of this combination of content and commerce, um, that convergence. So it just speaks to how this new method of doing media can bring in the new consumer and we're getting recognized for it, which is really a nice thing. Thank you. Congratulations. That's awesome. And, you know, you spoke about text, you spoke about TikTok, we talked about how to style content. 
What's performing, would you say, the best right now with wine enthusiasts, whether it's the format, the topic? Is there anything we didn't touch on already? Well, it totally depends on the medium. So what we've done in the last few years is every single piece of touch point we have with the consumer, we've evolved it to really fit that niche. And so one of my favorite examples is actually print. Um, John Capone, who's our managing editor of print, joined us a couple of years ago, and he's done an incredible job of reformatting that medium to be more of like a modern luxury coffee table book. It's less how it used to be more similar to the content we had on the web. Now it's like you want to sit in an armchair and just relax and read a beautiful essay about a historical wine story you never heard about, or maybe some native yeasts that you didn't think about when you were uh, last visiting Turkey or something like that. Like all the different ways in which you can look at wine from maybe a slightly more advanced perspective. We kind of think that that's more of our luxury, more ingrained wine knowledgeable reader, but it's somebody who really appreciates it and wants to sit down and enjoy um, a wine publication that I think is just more gorgeous than it's ever been. And our art director has actually been with us for almost 20 years. So we still have a lot of the same staff, but we've just continued to evolve and push our team. Uh, Marco Torelli is our art director, and I just can't believe how amazing publication looks today. It's really modernized to fit what I think print means today, which is something very different than it meant 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. So that's probably my favorite medium that we've evolved. And beyond that, digital, as we discussed, it doesn't just have to be for beginners. We can put everything on there because there's endless amount of web pages. But I do think that it's a great platform to test new beginner content and bring new people in through Google search and through social platforms. Another thing that I've loved that we've done a lot of on social media are infographics, which I think, again, are a great beginner tool. They just are a quick and dirty pairing guide, essentially. And we try to keep them kind of like pithy and light. But because of that, they get such a controversial reaction. It's kind of engagement. Yeah, everyone has an opinion. I mean, that's what's great about social media. You get people who have been in the industry for 30 years and they've been winemakers at different places across the globe. And they're like, hey, I would pair it differently, you know? And then you have people who are just sending Halloween wine pairings to their friends and think it's funny. And like both are valuable. And the fact that we can have both of those people existing in our universe, I think is very exciting, even if the commentary can get a little controversial at times. That's kind of how social media is built. Exactly. I know. I saw the Vanderpump Rules pairing and I'm not a Vanderpump Rules person, but a lot of my friends are. And I, I was DMing that to a bunch of them. And those are fun. Like you said, they're quick and dirty, but they talk about one and from the pop culture lens, which we talked about earlier, too, as being a really good way to get new consumers into the category. I want to see a Peloton instructors and wine. Are you pitching a story? You, it would be a great one, actually. It's a really good idea. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like Peloton obsessed and I actually ran into a couple of the instructors at a recent wine event, which was so cool. So there's some good tie-ins there. So, you know, just something to tuck away for a future infographic. <laughs> oh, there's actually a very big, you might know this wine Peloton, like riding for wine community. Yeah. Um, that Hello, we, yeah, yeah, we've uh, tapped into a little bit or tried to, um, but that's a great idea. Yeah, the Vanderpump one, again, was very controversial, but it got so much traction. And Lisa Vanderpump herself actually posted it, which I was really thrilled about. So I think it's that kind of stuff where it's like, let's not lift our pinkies and be snobby about anything. Let's just talk about wine in a way that's open and comfortable. Like We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable about what they want to drink or how they want to talk about it. Um, we're just happy they're talking about it. Yeah. And if we look at trends and spirits, and we know that 
in the spirits space, we've seen a lot of growth, especially in tequila. And you look at brands like Casamigos and George Clooney. I mean, there is power in pop culture and celebrity, whether we, you know, we want to admit it or not, but there is power there in driving consumer demand and traction. So let's not, you know, fight against that. There's so many people um, in celebrities in wine that are making wine labels or just love wine, right? And and let's use them as additional gatekeepers to, to help us reach new audiences. That's that's what I believe, at least. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit the future. You know, things are evolving quickly. As we know, COVID brought a lot of changes and maybe pushed our industry forward digitally in a lot of ways. Now we have generative AI and chat GPT and all these new tools that are being incorporated. What do you see as the future of wine media? Well, similar to any other media company, a media company is not really what it used to be. It doesn't mean I'm going to write an article, print it out, and then mail it to you. It means I'm a brand, I'm a voice, I'm a, you know, a cultural phenomenon. It means much more than it used to be. So I think it's taking media out of its former box and looking at it more as like an ecosystem, like we were talking about. And what are the, what are the ways that I can reach new audiences with this brand, with this trusted brand that still fits in our universe? So to me, events have been one of the biggest growth areas for us. And I know for lots of other media companies right now, and for wine, it makes perfect sense, of course, because you want to taste the product. So how do we throw wine events that are a little bit different than they were historically? We just did one called Sip of South America that we're actually planning to bring to Italy next year, but we'll do in the US, but do as an Italian style next year with a focus there where it had a trade tasting during the day, but the consumer event was just so much more fun than sometimes they can typically be. A lot of those walk around tastings, they kind of start to run together because they become very similar. But how do we make like food a key component? How do we make live music a key component? How do we bring that culture to life that feels like a transported experience where it's a little less stuffy, a little more like bringing the fun and the joy to wine, especially for the consumer. And so that's one of the things that I've seen just grow exponentially is events and experiences. I'm sure a little bit is a backlash to COVID, but I do think they're here to stay. Yeah, just just going out and uh, exploring more. I do think they're here to stay in some capacity. But for me, uh, one of the things that I've learned a lot is how we can service our clients after being at Provine in Italy is one of the biggest complaints is getting into the States still. So as a wine media brand in our niche, one of the things that we are excited to relaunch was our importer connection division. So we offer unimported wines the opportunity to get a score um, with a different tasting panel so that they can have more access to the U.S. market. because. I always tell my friends who are not in the wine industry, it's kind of like you're an actor looking for an agent in Hollywood and you need that like breakthrough moment. And so if we can give them a rating that helps them break through the clutter um, and get imported into the United States, we want to be able to give them access to that. So Importer Connection has been a big focus for us that we relaunched this year to show that like, how do we become a service to the wine partners that we work with as a media brand that's beyond a typical media brand? That's great. And I think a lot of our listeners will find a lot of value in that because we know that it is quite a challenge just getting into the market. So that's huge. And I think what you said about experiences and events and the future of a media brand really encompassing more than the content, but also the experience, there's a huge opportunity there for Italy, in my opinion. I mean, Americans love Italian culture and food and 
travel. I know this summer, the projected numbers for travel in Europe and Italy, especially are extremely high. And, you know, you're probably going to be fighting the crowds in Rome and the major cities. So we have this love affair with Italy that can be translated to more experiential wine events in the US. I think there's a huge opportunity there. Yeah, I hope so. And I believe it too. I think there's something about Italy and Italian wine that's just so romantic. I actually wrote about this in my publisher's letter. That's kind of intoxicating to the American consumer because it's such a different lifestyle and mindset than ours. It's kind of what we wish we could be like, but we're not. We're just so go, 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 go. Um, It's kind of a impossible to imagine, especially as a New Yorker. <laughs> but uh, it's the kind of thing that you just keep coming back to. I know all my friends are so jealous that I have to go to Italy for work Same. at least once a year. And they should be because it's it's incredible. There's so much to discover. Can you give us any sneak peeks into that July issue or just in general trends in Italian wine content at Wine Enthusiasts that the editors are really excited about or that you've seen perform particularly well on digital channels? You know, what are people gravitating towards with Italian wine? Sure. Well, I think one well, one of my favorite articles is all about Lambrusco, which I'm a massive fan of. And I think it's one of those wines that does not get enough attention considering how likable it is like for lack of a better term it's just so likable so food friendly so fun and and it can be geeky I mean Jeff Porter really opened my eyes to some fascinating Lambruscos that I'd never tried before and he does a whole feature on it how it's uh one of the it's it's not new but it feels like new all over again with its popularity and then we do have a very interesting story about pizza pairings and we asked our whole staff to say their recommended pizza. And it's just incredible how no matter who you ask, you hear totally different slice. Um, Everybody has their own opinion on what's the best. And obviously America and New York especially is no shortage of pizzerias. But the way that food is a great entry for wine, it's just such a perfect metaphor for Italy. So food and using that as a gateway is one of the big things we talk about in this issue. But the issue overall is just fantastic. I can't wait to get your hands on it. Yeah. We can't wait to see it. And Lambrusco, that's exciting. I mean, you trends in sparkling wine don't seem to be slowing down. So that makes sense for that to be the next category that we start diving into more and getting more consumers interested in. And like you said, it's such a great, great wine. There's so many variations. Uh, so food friendly, perfect for summer. Yeah. So great. Well, we can't wait to see that that next issue. Uh, Jackie, as we wind down, we have to make sure we have time for our rapid fire quiz, which we do at the end of every episode. So if you can do your best to answer these questions in one sentence or less, please. Question number one, what is the wine consumer looking for today in wine media? The wine consumer today, I believe, is looking for useful content from brands they can trust uh, in a way that's accessible, maybe irreverent and fun that makes them feel like they just want more and more. And I really feel our new website brings together both content and commerce in a way that will keep them on the website and keeps them learning and keeps them engaged in wine. Hey, awesome. Question number two, what kind of content is performing best right now on wine enthusiasts, let's say on digital, because I know you have different different platforms. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say my number one thing would say depends on the platform completely. On digital, I would say it's beginner content, things that really help to answer those burning questions that people have. And on social, it's really anything that's highly visual or easy to share, something that's snackable and shareable. Reels are super important to us. Uh, Same for TikTok. Um, anything introductory. We just did a video with Slick Wines that was all about how to order wine in a restaurant. 
again, sounds super simple, that as a video or as a infographic or as an article will always perform well because it helps answer that burning question. Right. Like you said, that Google diary, I liked that, that comparison earlier. Okay. And then finally, what is the future of wine media? The future of wine media is the future of all media. It's looking at yourself as a brand, as an experience, as how you can bring value to your readers and to your clients beyond what you've traditionally done, whether that's creating new experiences for them, new services for them, or exciting new content that they didn't realize they needed. It's all about creating and continuing to nurture that brand ecosystem to uh, empower your universe and your audience. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you, Jackie, so much for being here today. Learned so much from your answers and so many great insights into wine enthusiasts and what's going on right now with the publication. And uh, we're so excited for the Italy issue coming up soon. I'm sure so many of our listeners are already following you in wine enthusiasts, but just in case, how can our listeners connect with you in wine enthusiasts? Sure. So my Instagram handle is at Jackie Strum, G-A-C-K-I-S-T-R-U-M. Wine Enthusiast, on the other hand, is on all social platforms. Our handle is always at Wine Enthusiast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, and LinkedIn, which is one of my favorite platforms. Please follow and engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. And our newly relaunched website is WineEnthusiast.com. Fantastic. All right. Thanks so much for being here today, Jackie. Great to have you. Thank you, Juliana. It was so much fun. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.